It's finally here, everybody. Christmas 2019 is upon us. You made it. Uh, it might be 50 degrees outside in Michigan, but by golly, it's Christmas time. And uh, I know what you're thinking. Sam, I'm just I'm just here to listen to the message from Christmas Eve. Why, why do you have Christmas music playing in your intro? Well, let me answer that question. You will hear Nathan's message from Christmas Eve, but I decided to do a little bit of a longer intro and embrace the joy of Christmas. Um, so I took a microphone and I ran around the lobby and I asked people questions. Um, some of those people are staff members. Some of them aren't, are not staff members. There's all, all different types of folks that are uh, surveyed in this, we'll call it a Christmas survey. So um, I had fun doing it and editing it. I hope that you guys have fun listening to it. Um, and I just want to say Merry Christmas. Um, and I hope that you have some good rest over the next a few days and uh, a good new year's as well um and uh enjoy the podcast i have with me sarah canfield she's the life kids director uh i'd like to ask you what is your favorite christmas movie oh hands down national lampoon's christmas vacation the first one no there's only one yeah the christmas one you know there's other ones but they're not christmas uh second question is die hard a christmas movie That is a really... <laughs> yes. Okay. I've got with me Rich. Rich Allen. He's one of the pastors here. Rich, what's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Uh, Elf. Will Ferrell classic. Second question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? No. Ooh, unpopular opinion there. Thanks, Rich. I've got with me Nathan. Uh, Nathan McWhorter, lead pastor of Life Church Canton. What's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Oh my goodness, favorite Christmas movie. That is that is a bold choice. I feel like I'm going to be judged by how I answer. Favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. That answers my second question, which is, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Of course it is. Okay, well, Rich Allen doesn't think so, so. Well, Rich Allen has his opinions, uh, but John McClane has another. Well said. I've got with me Ron Wrightson, one of our pastors here at the church. Ron, what's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Christmas movie of all time, Christmas Vacation, Chevy Chase. National Lampoon? National Lampoon. Uh, second question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Is that what? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Uh, I, will, I, I consider it one. Uh, all right, that's the right answer. I've got Zach Haroon. He's one of our interns here at the church. Zach, what's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Probably A Christmas Story. Christmas Story, classic. Uh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Good. Uh, so far, Rich Allen is the only one who said that it's not a Christmas movie, so we need to publicly shame him. I've got with me Stephen Canfield, the worship pastor here at Life Church Canton. What's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's a popular one, your wife's favorite as well. Uh, second question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? No. Ooh, just the second to disagree. You and Rich Allen. I've got with me Rob, he plays bass, he plays keys, he takes photos. Rob, what's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Uh, the Christmas Story. Christmas Story, another popular one. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right answer, thank you. Nicole, can I ask you a couple questions? Sure. For the podcast? Okay. Okay, uh, Nicole is one of our key volunteers. She does stuff with youth and lots of other things. What's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Elf. Elf. Will Ferrell classic. Second question. Hot take. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? 100% it is. Can you tell me why? 
why is even in question. Right answer. Thank you. All right, I've got with me Caroline. She leads worship. She does other things. Caroline, what's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Movie? Um, Elf. The Will Ferrell classic? Yes. I don't like Will Ferrell, but I like Elf. So. Well, Will Ferrell is Elf. That's irrelevant. Okay. Uh, second question. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes, I've never seen it, but I'm sure it is. I believe it. The right answer. Thank you. I've got with me Tori Danner, Life Kids, uh, everything. Um, Tori, what's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Uh, the Santa Claus. With Tim Allen. The first one? The, yes. Or the fifth one? <laughs> There's only three. <laughs> There's only three? I know. I lost track. I know. It's, yeah, you lose track, but I think the first one. It's a great choice. You're the first one with that choice. Second question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Most definitely. Can you tell me why? Because it's around Christmas time, and it's a great movie, so... All movies that are around Christmas time that are great movies are Christmas movies. That's the right answer. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm back with Caroline. Can you tell me why you hate Will Ferrell so much? I just... I, I don't think he's very funny. Then why do you like the movie Elf? Um, well, I like Zoe Deschanel. Um, yes. I think that's it, actually. So maybe I don't like the movie Elf after all. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, since we've gotten down to that conclusion, what is your favorite Christmas movie then? Maybe... Or do you not celebrate Christmas? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe it's A Wonderful Life. I think that's a better answer because it reflects on... Angels getting their wings? Yes, which is super important to me. Very important to you. Very valuable to my experience of the Christmas season. So. More than a fictional elf saying bye to a Norwal? Yes, although I do like when he says... Um, and hugging a raccoon? Yes, I do like when he says, uh, Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? That part was funny. That's the only part that you that find it. funny. Okay, but Zoe Deschanel carries that movie in your opinion. Yeah, it's on her shoulders and she does it well, so yeah. Uh, glad to have cleared this up with you. <laughs> Kate. It wasn't me. Merry Christmas to you. Um, what is your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Elf. Why? Because he's so funny, and he makes me laugh, and he eats gum from underneath the handrail. <laughs> uh, Elf has been the most popular, <coughs> excuse me, the most popular favorite movie. Uh, second question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. Can you tell me why? Because I said so. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> Correct. Thank you, Kate. I've got with me Shay and Wendy. They clean our building. They do a wonderful job. Um, Shay. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, Elf. Would you say that Will Ferrell carries Elf or Zoe Deschanel? Will Ferrell. Totally. Take that, Caroline. Uh, second question. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? No. Why do you have that answer? I've never watched it before, so I, I guess I shouldn't really answer. You should educate yourself. It is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Wendy, Merry Christmas to you. Same to you. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. What was that? <laughs> it's called Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. That's my favorite Christmas movie. I've never heard of that one. That's the most unique answer we've gotten thus far. Uh, I'll have to check it out. You should. Um, is it a comedy? No. It's a serious movie? It might make you cry. Okay. Uh, second question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Right answer. Take that, Shay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I've got with me Jared Van Verse, our oh, associate pastor. Yes. 
Uh, Jared, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, Sam. Jared, what's yes. your favorite Christmas movie? The cr Christmas movie? Oh, man. Uh, Elf is at the top of the list. Why? Uh, Will Ferrell's pretty... You, would you say that Will Ferrell carries that film? Uh, or Zoe Deschanel? It was certainly not Zoe. Uh, it's Will. Always. Sorry, Caroline, but Will Ferrell again wins for the funniest in the movie, Elf. Uh, second question, is yes. Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely it is, yeah. yeah. No need to expand. Nope. That's, that's the right answer. No. Merry Christmas, Jared. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Jasmine, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Sam. Um, Jasmine, what's your favorite Christmas movie? The people, are, the people are waiting. Charlie Brown Christmas. Good answer. That's the first uh, of that variety that we've had. Uh, second question for you. Yeah. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? No. Wrong. But why? Because <laughs> there's nothing Christmas related in Die Hard. It takes place on Christmas Day. That doesn't matter. I beg to differ. Merry <laughs> Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Sam. I've got with me Becca Rice. Becca. Um, Merry Christmas to you. Oh, Merry Christmas, Sam. Thank you. Um, I'm doing an intro for the podcast. Okay. Um, what's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Oh, Elf. Elf. Yeah. Clear winner. Just hands down, yeah. Would you say that Will Ferrell carries that movie or Zoe Deschanel? Oh, it's definitely Will Ferrell. Nobody cares about anybody else in that movie. Wow. Strong opinions here. Hot take from Becca Rice. Uh, second question. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Absolutely not. A wrong answer, but expand. Just because Christmas is happening at the same time as the movie doesn't make it a Christmas movie. Christmas happens in Harry Potter doesn't make it a Christmas movie. I beg to differ. Harry Potter takes place over several days. <laughs> Die Hard takes place on one day, and that day is Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Becca. Merry Christmas. I hope you guys got as much enjoyment out of listening to that as I did while I was making it. Um, just wanted to do something that was a little bit more joyous, lighthearted um, to take us into this Christmas episode of the podcast. So um, without further ado, here's Nathan with his message from Christmas Eve. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, that was terrible. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Wasn't that a great song? Man, that was awesome. I felt like it really set me up uh, for the message, but set us up for our hearts to be in the right place. Um, I want everybody, can you do me a favor? Can you just breathe a sigh of relief? You made it. You're here. Everyone's still wearing their clothes. The kids still have, you know, the dresses you painstakingly put them into. They're here. Hey, kids, can you say hi to me? Hey, kids, you in here? Say hey. All right, good. Hi. That's so cute. I'm so glad you are here. Um, I want you to know, man, I have kids. I have a seven, three, and one-year-old, so nothing they're going to do is going to bother me. I want you to feel relaxed to be here, to be in this moment. Christmas is tomorrow, and maybe you still have things to wrap and presents, but you can't do better than being present right now. All we have are these little moments, so have a moment with me, and I want you to know I've been fighting uh, pretty, pretty hard to make sure we have a moment of wonder together. So you're here. Maybe you can encounter God in a new way in this very moment. This series we're finishing tonight, we've been trying to recapture the wonder, recapture the wonder of the birth of Jesus Christ, and we couldn't hope for anything more for you than to recapture that wonder, that, that feeling of awe. So what, what was your favorite Christmas song? What was your favorite Christmas carol? I asked Facebook, and many answered. My favorite was Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. 
It's not, nothing says Christmas like vehicular reindeer side, right? Like, no, I, I have so many Christmas songs. I've been playing them since the first time it snowed in Michigan, which was like July. And, um, but there's one song that kind of got me. And, and we've been in this series, and, and this one even meant more to me. Mary, Did You Know? And Pentatonix does an incredible rendition of it. It's beautiful. And it's this idea of like, Mary, did you understand what was about to happen? You're, you're the mother of Jesus. Do you understand? And did you understand that he would walk on water, or give sight to a blind man? Did you understand that he would calm the storm with his hand? That the deaf will hear, that the blind will see. Did, did you know all that? Or did you understand just in part? We've been exploring the unlikely parentage of Jesus, his ancestor, his grandparents, his great-grandparents, and so on and so forth through this whole series. And we've been talking about some incredibly unlikely characters. But I want to take a moment with you to look at Mary. Because Mary, I believe, shows us how to fully experience the wonder of the birth of Jesus Christ. We've been asking everyone to read through the gospel of Luke, and that's where we'll be today. It's a biography of Jesus. And kids, I don't know if you knew this, but Mary, Mary was likely between 12 and 14 years old. So she was pretty young in this story. And so even though you may feel like you're young, incredible things happen to people when God shows up. And an angel shows up to Mary and, and Luke and, and tells her something incredible that this child she's about to have, which she didn't even know, she had a child at that point, that this moment, this child that God was going to put inside of her was going to do something incredible, reveal a promise as well, but also he would be a king. He would be a king of a kingdom that would have no end. There was this promise, this legacy from long ago, a hope that a Messiah would come, and the angel saying, it's starting right now with you, Mary. And Mary is overwhelmed by that. And she's, she's engaged, but she's a virgin. She's like, how can this happen? And said, God says, with, with me, all things are possible. And so she finds herself a part of this vision, and she accepts. And so she becomes pregnant by the power of God, but she's pregnant outside of wedlock. And Joseph, her future husband, plans to just divorce her quietly, which divorce is a weird word. They weren't married yet. Divorce, the betrothal, it's a different way of doing things. But he was going to do it quietly so that she wouldn't get in trouble because clearly, like, that's not his child. And an angel has to show up to him and convince him, no, that's my child. You will marry her. And so he does. I mean, I can't even imagine that conversation, to have the only two people in the world who believe each other about what just happened. So Mary, did you know, did you know what was about to happen? Mary goes away from the community, the place where they live, to visit family. Perhaps she wanted to hide from the public eye because now everybody knows something's up, something's wrong, and they don't understand. So she goes to her cousins. Can you imagine this track? It took like three days to get to her cousins this whole time. Like, are, are, are my cousins going to accept me? There's no text message. You can't explain what happened, right? They're on their way, and she's just thinking about this promise from an angel and what this means for her life. And she walks in the door, and before she can ever say anything, her cousin Elizabeth she has a baby in her belly, and it leaps for joy, and she goes, oh my gosh, I know who you are, and she says this, blessed are you, Mary. I am full of joy that the mother of my Lord would come to me, 
In this moment, can you imagine Mary just feeling like lost and alone and not sure? And then her cousin has gotten a word from God and has said, hey, I see you. The Lord is inside of you. It's incredible. There must have been this joyous moment for Mary. Maybe I'm not alone in this, that a promise made to Abraham and all of her ancestors before was going to be fulfilled inside of her and someone else believes her. Someone else is with her, a savior, a messiah. A promise coming, and Mary did know. And then she sings what's been known as the Magnificat, which is this story or this song that, that she has put together, and she sings it in this moment. And I want to read a portion of it for you from the message version because I think the message does a good job of making it sound like a song. But this is what she says. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high, it's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham, right up to now. Mary did know that something was happening. Imagine like there's a prophecy from thousands and thousands of years ago. This idea of waiting for something to come and then to find out that that's going to come to you personally. That's what she's feeling and it's starting. So Mary had this joy, this baby that hadn't even born yet and she anticipated a promise fulfilled. And what did it result in? In wonder. And if we're traveling towards Christmas and we want to experience wonder, we need to understand that it has a lot to do with anticipating what God is going to do. The power and holiness and mercy of God. So a word we don't use much outside of church is glory. And Mary gloried in God. What is that like? Well, it's like a father who sees their daughter graduate from med school. That, that is a glory. The father glories in his daughter. This excitement. It's the glory of a grandchild and finally having it. For some of you, you're like, yeah, I wish my kids would get on with that grandchild, right? There's this moment where this idea and this glory, is, it's just beautiful. It's like the feeling when things go your way. But some of you may not understand it, but I want you just to imagine for one moment that the Detroit Lions make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, just make it, right? Like, just make it. We'd all be like, whoo, yes, that's glory. Now, if they won, we would lose our mind. And all right, so this is a big deal. This is a big deal, this glory, and it's so much more than a sports team. Mary is bursting with joy. The birth of the child of promise is coming. But she still had joy now. And I think this shows us something incredible, that Christmas reminds us that God makes good on his promise. God makes good on his promise. And if we're ever going to recapture the wonder of the birth of Christ, we have to remind ourselves that what happened was huge. It can become familiar. And maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, but for many of us, it becomes familiar. In reality, it's, it's crazy. It's unexpected. He fulfilled a promise to make things right, and he was going to do it through a baby, and that perhaps if God could do this miracle, then maybe he could show up in your life right now. 
So Jesus is about to be born, been waiting the, the whole series for this moment, like the, the final moments. Kids, have you ever that feeling where you're up at the top of the stairs or maybe you're in the back rooms and you're not allowed to come out and all the presents are there and you're losing your mind and you're like, let us out, we must see the presents. Like this anticipation of this moment, I feel like this has been something we've been anticipating for a month, just birth, but not just a, a miraculous birth, but the birth of something brand new. Do you, do you feel that? moment. How is it going to happen? So we're going to be in Luke 2, and this is the New International Version. And I, I don't want to read it for you. It'll be on the screens, but I'll be in Luke 2 for a little bit, and you can fill in the gaps because I'm not going to be able to go over every verse, but I, I want to read this with you. So Joseph, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. Why? Because he was called to back to take a census. So he has taken Mary as his betrothed. They are not married yet, and yet he goes and um, he goes up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to that house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, this is actually kind of odd. At this point, Mary is like super pregnant. I know you can, you're pregnant or you're not, but like super pregnant, you know, when the belly is way out. This isn't weird. Mary didn't need to go with Joseph. Joseph could have gone down to register by himself, but I believe that what is happening is Mary's going with Joseph because things at home are not going so great. That she's being ostracized by her community. Why would she leave her community so close to the birth, rejected by those around her? Like, this is a teenage pregnancy scandal on steroids. This is worse than worse. Not only is she pregnant, she's claiming it's God. Like, this is not good. We learned earlier that in Tamar, who was one of the ancestors, she was in a similar situation and that she was pregnant outside of wedlock. And she had, it's a whole story, go check it out. But like, she could have been burned alive because of it. And this is what could have happened to Mary. So she's rejected. That wasn't feeling too good. And can you imagine traveling that late in pregnancy, like on a donkey for like long periods of time? I, I can't. But even an uncomfortable journey can lead to joy. Let's continue on verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Well, things are a little interesting here. They, they get here to this town where Joseph is from, and there's no room for them, no room in an inn, and so they have to go somewhere else. And we talk about the manger, right? We talk about the stable, but it could have been a cave. It could have been an open-air stable, potentially in the actual courtyard of the home. There was no room, and she put them in a manger. Now, manger sounds nice, doesn't it? It sounds nice because we have all these beautiful pictures. Uh, you know, we have all these wonderful, colorful nativity scenes. You might even have one in your home or outside, and you drive by, and it's well lit, and it's beautiful. But a manger, oh, where they're at, it's nothing but. It's drab, dark, dank, it's decaying, and disgusting, and, and dirty. Can you, can you imagine giving birth there for those who have given birth? Like, can you imagine in that situation... This is anything but right. Now, it's even worse. And, and listen, why? Listen, this is probably the family ancestral home. And here comes the long-lost Joseph with his betrothed who's 
pregnant and there's a scandal. And they're probably told him, no, we don't want you here. Get out. And, and that might be reading a lot into it, but let me explain something that's not. It said right there, what did it say? She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. It's a simple phrase, but for Mary, it's so much deeper. No women were there to help her. Not from Joseph's family that he's visiting, or not from a town bursting with people. No one is there to help her. What does that feel like? On top of that, worse, her community isn't there. Her mother, her grandmother, her cousins. This moment where the birth of a child had so much significance, they surrounded them and helped them and were part of it. She is isolated and alone. Mary, did you know that in rejection, obscurity, and poverty, a savior would be born. So the question I have for you is why would God allow the hope of the world to be born this way? It's a paradox, right? Do you know what a paradox is? It's something that's seemingly absurd or self-contradictory, but in Against all odds, it's actually true. This is a, a paradox, that the almighty God of the universe would come down into a world which had rejected him, that he would even put himself out there as a baby. The protector of all things would come as something so vulnerable as a, as a child. It's a paradox, something unexpected, and this is Christmas. And can you imagine Mary? Maybe she thought she was crazy at this moment. I would I would start to feel kind of crazy that this is all not going the way it should. Did she really know? Was all this pain worth it in isolation? How absurd that this is the way it's happening. And maybe a little voice is saying, you heard it wrong. And yet, Mary held on to hope that every circumstance seemed to deny Mary anticipated a promise, remember, that would be fulfilled, and it resulted in joy and strength in her. Even though her circumstances seemed dire, joy was hers. And then it, it starts to get interesting. Let's look at verse 8, and this is the part where you may have heard it. There's so many songs about it. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory, that word again, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, in a stall, in a manger, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Now, in in case you wanted to know, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, a feeding trough. And then suddenly a great company or an army of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, what was that? No, they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The paradox of a savior born as a vulnerable baby. The paradox of the creator showing up as a created thing. The paradox of an army of angels announcing peace. The paradox of a promise fulfilled through a child what if, 
What if all of this is true? What does this mean? Someone who uh, contributed to 60 Minutes, his name was Hen Henry Reasoner, and he was uh, uh, someone who wrote and who was uh, a journalist, had a great name for it. But he wrote about Christmas, and he said this, it, the Christmas story, has a magnificent appeal. Almost nobody has seen God, and almost nobody has any real idea of what he is like. And the truth is that among men, the idea of seeing God suddenly and standing in a very bright life is not necessarily a completely comforting or appealing idea, but everyone has seen babies, and most people like them. If God wanted to be loved as well as feared, he moved correctly here. If he wanted to know his people as well as rule them, he moved correctly here. For a baby growing up learns all about people. If God wanted to be intimately a part of man, he moved correctly. For the experiences of birth and familyhood are our most intimate and precious experiences. So it goes beyond logic. It is a kind of divine insanity. And it's either all falsehood or it's the truest thing in all the world. If it is true, as it must be, it makes everything else in the world all right. Mary is going through all of this, and then God shows up and announces to these shepherds, and these shepherds go crazy, and they see the baby, and they rejoice. They shout it, but look at what Mary does. Mary, who's been through incredible frustration, isolation, and persecution, in verse 19, says this, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary let that promise that she was given run deep, deep down, dwelled on that meaning, and it gave her strength to carry on. This joy wasn't this frenetic outburst, it was this quiet calm, something that was powerful. How deeply must she have believed to go through all that and see a confirmation? In the midst of all that went wrong, she was able to find joy, and joy is this result. Joy is always a result of wonder. Wonder at who God is, it results in joy for us. Wonder that God would come through in the way that he did. And I want you to know that this joy, this deep-seated, treasured joy inside of her allowed her to not just experience the promise of the birth of a Messiah, to fulfill a promise, to make all things right. It propelled her forward into something new. See, joy is the strength that gave Mary to weather the attacks and the public opinion and possible being killed, a, a pregnancy scandal. It allowed her to get through traveling on a donkey while pregnant. It allowed her to get through birth alone in one of the most terrible places in terrible ways possible. Then, this kind of joy allowed her to make it through the rest of the story. Fleeing to a foreign land to avoid death with a young Jesus when a ruler tried to kill all the boys in town. Watching her son grow up. Mary, did you know as he grew up that he would go through persecution and people would hate him and try to kill him? And then the kind of joy that allowed her to watch her son beaten, whipped, nailed to die on a torture device. That kind of strength, 
her baby. Mary, did you know? No, I don't think she understood. Yet she had the joy of the promise. The promise that was her baby would make all things right. And even though if it doesn't look the way it's supposed to, it, it already didn't look the way it was supposed to. And so she had strength and wonder. Did she know that her baby would pay for all the sins of every baby, every child, every man and woman alive? Mary knew that her baby was the savior of the world and joy gave her the strength to move on and continue. So what does Christmas mean for you? What does Christmas mean for you? Listen, I want Jesus to be the center of your everything. I want Jesus to be the center of your everything, that the wonder of what he has done and will do for you and is doing in this moment, that it overcomes you so that you experience this glory, this feeling of praising God for who he is. This is what I want. I want your soul, your spirit to rejoice, to burst with love and joy like a child just wants to hug everybody. I want that for you, that feeling, that wonder that God would choose us. And I want Christmas to produce a wonder not only in what happened, but what will come. You see, an encounter with Jesus changes everything. It changes everything. But an encounter with Jesus can give you that deep-seated joy that allows you to make sense of pain and make the suffering worth it. And in this world as we grow up and Christmas is past and, and, you know, there aren't presents anymore to put wonder in our hearts and things start to feel kind of off. I want a joy that grows beyond that. I want you to recapture the wonder of Christmas by participating in a promise that is coming. There's a promise coming. That Jesus came to give us a gift and show us how to live, but then he died for us. And he's coming back again. And when he does, he's going to take away pain and suffering and hurt. And he's going to take away racism and jealousy and pain and cancer. He's going to come back and take all of that away because from the very beginning, God has been trying to make things right when we chose our own way. And he will do it. And that promise is something like Mary we can hold on to that gives us joy in the moment. So maybe you're like the shepherds and this is something where you're like, wow, I never thought of it like that. I'm just bursting with joy. Be saved. In this moment, you're gonna choose to follow God, to be like the shepherds and say, yes, let's go see and then let's praise him for what he has done. And maybe you're more like Mary and you're waiting for a promise to come and its struggle is real right now. Let Christmas mean hope for you. Let the wonder of Christmas redouble your joy in what God has done and remind you of your faithfulness and what it can mean for you no matter what your present is. But for all in the room, I want to invite you this Christmas to accept that gift of the baby Jesus, but also the man Jesus who grew up, lived a perfect life, and died for you. Will you stand with me? Will you all stand with me if you're able? And we do this every time we get together, but I, I want you to listen. Listen to this moment. I want to give you an opportunity to follow Jesus. Now, God, he came and died to know and to love you. And so he's in this room and he's waiting for you to accept that gift.
the gift of Christmas and the gift of Easter, the gift of Jesus Christ. So will you close your eyes with me? Will you bow your head? And in this moment, if you want to choose to follow Jesus, I invite you to do so by talking to him, and I'll help you do it. You can say it out louder in your heart, but make this the moment that you, like Mary, choose to believe in the promise of hope. If it's true, and it's the realest thing in the world, repeat after me out louder in your heart. Just make this your conversation with God. God, I'm broken. I need someone to rescue me. And I believe you sent Jesus as the rescuer, the one who came to give me life, to know me. I believe he paid for something I couldn't pay for. And all I have to do is choose it. And so I choose it today. I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to change my life and move after him. But more than anything, God, I choose to let the wonder of Christmas and Jesus fill my life with joy and strength as I glory in who God is and what he has done. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can text I'm new to this phone number, 734 349 3475, or you can just fill out the form that's linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If Christmas Eve was the first time that you came to Life Church Canton, we're so excited about that. Maybe you came with a family member for the first time. We would love to, to know about that and connect with you. Uh, at the church, we believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. That's what we're all about here is doing life together and um, learning to live like Jesus. So um, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, to fill out those uh, connect connect form or to, to text the number. Um, we really want to connect with you. Um, also, uh, just want to let you know, if you want to email me uh, about the podcast specifically, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. Um, and of course, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might be listening. No shame on you Android users. Um, maybe I, maybe there's some shame in just saying that. But um, anyway, um, <laughs> Please share us with a friend if you're liking what we're doing on the podcast, um, and uh, please leave us a review. Uh, we don't ask for that to boost our ego, but um, that helps us get in front of more people online, and we're trying to um, just get more people involved with what we're doing at Live Church Canton. So um, again, I want to say Merry Christmas. I hope that you have some good rest, um, some time to bask in the joy of Christ coming down, which is what Christmas is all about. Um, and that you get some good time with your family and some loved ones. Um, and I will see you next week for the last episode of 2019 at the Live Church Canton podcast. All right. Have a great week, everybody.